Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Maggie Kimbrell, content editor of American Whiskey Magazine. Um, so if you've missed part one, go ahead, belly up to that bar and uh, give it a listen first. We promise to save a seat right here for you. Right, Gina? Yeah. All right. So uh, Maggie, in part one, um, you talked a lot about what kind of got you started in the whiskey world. And, and then we went off on these amazing tangents. So again, if you missed it, go back. Um, we got into some legal issues and we got into some ballroom Bites? No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> that'd be a bar room, not a ballroom fight. I don't know. What am I? I'm talking craziness. Oh, I want to go to Your a ballroom fight now. <laughs> Your foxtrot is just very appalling to me. How can we make this ballroom fight happen? <laughs> it seems like it'd be a bunch of bitch slaps. Yeah. I would have a fan of a chin to your face. With a glove. With a glove. Yeah. You stepped on my foot one too many times, Gina. Um, <laughs> in my ballroom, it's Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, <laughs> so I would have a big feather bow and slap you right across your face. Hey, those folks could party, though. Oh, they could. Yes. And they drank a lot of whiskey. A lot of champagne, too. Yes, yeah. lots of whiskey and champagne. Yeah. My favorite comment, my yeah. common, my favorite com Where combination. Where are we going in this episode? We're completely off the rails. That's what I do. I send two. people off the rails. That is like my specialty in life. <laughs> <laughs> I think our listeners expect no more. Um, but uh, what I really love, and I know, Gina, you're going to have a lot to say about this. And, it, you know, Maggie, you did all these things. You actually carved out two careers. You had two careers going simultaneously yes. with small children. Yeah. Can we talk about that? I know you guys have so much to share, and there's so many moms that listen, and, you know, where women are set to hit some standards or expect to hit standards that are ridiculous. But let's talk about how you manage that. How the hell did you do it? Yeah, I mean, like women are expected to work like we don't have children and raise children like we don't have jobs. And, you know, it's really hard. And I think yeah. a lot of, um, you know, my, my coping mechanism is being like, yeah, fuck that. Um, so I, I just... I, <laughs> I don't care about those social right. norms. And so one of the one of the things that really made this workable for me was that I had a job that was really flexible. Um, you know, they were big into work-life balance. And, you know, just every time it, it, it came time for me to level up, I'd be like, okay, but you get me for 30 hours a week um, and unlimited unpaid time off. And uh, so I can go do the, the other stuff. And they were like, yeah, cool. I mean, you know, as long as I, I showed up and I, and I got my job done, they were fully in support of that. And so like, I would not have been able to make that work without that flexibility. Um, and so that was, that's a really big thing because I think a lot of people think, you know, you're only successful if you work, if you sit in a chair for 40 hours a week. And I just have literally never been able to sit in a chair for 40 hours a week. Um, and so, you know, like I, I had to kind of blaze my own trail and make something that was going to work for me and for my family where I could still go chaperone the field trip and, you know, go to this whiskey festival for a few days. Uh, you know, th those were all things that were really important for me for, you know, my, my well-being and my work-life balance. And so, uh, you know, the, this was when I worked at Now Sourcing. It was an infographic design agency. I worked there for seven years. I was the director of promotions. Started off as an intern in my 30s because, you know, like when I was in wow. college, uh, paid internships were not a thing. Um, and so, like, that was just not, I couldn't go work for free for somebody. So that, you know, that in itself set my career back. But then when it was time for me to like, okay, I have to go 
start a career now. I started, you know, one writing about whiskey and then also at the same time as an intern uh, at an infographic design agency. And so, you know, I, I kind of built those those things simultaneously side by side. And they they really, um, you know, the skill set really has helped me uh, to get to where I am now, because I, I definitely understand the, the side of marketing myself and marketing my work. Um, but also, you know, like I have those really strong communication skills. So, you know, that was that was a really big thing. Um, but it would not have been at all possible without all that flexibility. Um, and so I, I think that that's really something that I encourage women to do. Uh, don't settle for what society tells you is success or society tells you is, uh, you know, the way to be uh, employed. Uh, you know, don't say I have to do 40 hours a week. So I have to put my kids in daycare so I can work 40 hours a week, but I pay more for daycare than I make working. And so how does that even work? You know, like I challenge the status quo, I think is, is really the, the big message here. Um, it, I, I think that the 40 hour work week is going to go away soon. And, you know, with all the work from home and all that kind of stuff now, I think that we're getting more, you know, people are getting more flexibility so that more people can be part of the workforce. And as more people who have been traditionally shut out of the workforce are able to join the workforce in a non-traditional manner, that's going to strengthen everybody, uh, you know, because they're, it, it's so important to have diversity, um, you know, and I think people think about diversity as, you know, like hiring more this people or whatever, but I think it's also in flexibility and uh, meeting people where they are. Um, you know, there, there are just a lot of different ways to incorporate different types of people into a workforce that's going to strengthen that end product. Yeah, I think there's certain industries that absolutely could take note of that. Certain things, obviously, hospitality, that's a harder sure. one. But obviously, and even like securities, that's another harder, a hard one. Anything has to do with government, obviously, that's where I'm going to lean to because that's where Dave is, my husband. But I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think if, um, if uh, work-life balance is hard to achieve, yeah. and, I mean, you know better than I do with having kids. Do you see the new, so you know, like there's a lot of government jobs that are available right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see the new commercial is on uh, the TV? I'm sure it's everywhere. It's national. It's about the benefits that um, the government gives. Oh. And um, it's playing everywhere. And people are like, I didn't know that you get blah, blah, blah when you have a government job. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, how do you not know that? Like, I forget what the plan's called. It's called the GH, what is it called? Whatever it is. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But. Well, it's on because right now, um, you know, everybody's trying to, like, get people to go back to work. You know, all these empty buildings and people are just like, I'll just stay home. Well, you know, on, honestly, I was just at the Pentagon um, for a visit. My mother-in-law was here. Friends who work at the Pentagon got us in. We had a private tour. And it was fun. It was kind of cool. But it was really interesting is that they were talking about how few people they have and how many jobs are open for the government because they are competing with places that like obviously you work at the Pentagon you have to go into the Pentagon most of the time because you have to be behind certain closed doors if you will um, there's security issues there um, but even they are learning new ways of working but they're also fighting with the other companies they're finding ways for people to have a career to your point being more flexible um, and just 
you know, the government's never known to be, you know, to pivot quickly. <laughs> I think this is an attempt at it because the, 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 yeah. the commercial is literally a woman at a desk and her kids are here and yeah. she's clearly like, you know, on a call, whatever. Yeah. And then she's taking her kids and her husband. I, I, I want to say they were going to the dentist. Yeah. And they went to dent and like, so it's implying yeah. you get dental and like, that's a big fucking deal. Cause yeah. like, let me tell you, somebody that has had all kinds of dental uh, work done that nothing is covered by dental. So yeah, like no. when you have full dental, that's like, whoa. And you have like more than one kid. It's like, well, maybe yeah. that's a, a way to get you to go to work. I've got three people in braces right now. Wow. So that stacks yeah, you're, up. So you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think you're right. I think reimagining the workplace is definitely um, what's going to have to happen. I, we were just talking about this strategically about like, where do you put your next bar and restaurant? Are you going to be, you're going to do it downtown when all nope. the buildings are empty? Nope. Or are you going to the You're going out burbs? to the suburbs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where, I mean, the, the biggest whiskey bar that's opened in Louisville in many, many years is out like way out in the suburbs. I was just there on Saturday night. It's uh watch Hill proper. Um, here in Louisville. Oh, what a great name. Yeah, it, it is a great name. And it's a great spot. You know, the people who who um, own it are really nice folks. And they really just wanted to have, uh, you know, they wanted like a Jack Rose style. And so it's like floor to ceiling with the ladder that moves. And and so we sat, we got there, we were waiting to pick up our youngest son from a pool party. And I sat down at the bar and my husband's like, order something from a high shelf. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And I flipped through the menu and I ended up doing it anyway and so she had to like climb up and <laughs> dig through the bins and I was like I'm sorry like I should have just been like I'll take one of those but um it but it's a really cool uh really cool place and it is literally like out in the middle of what used to be a cornfield when I was growing up wow <laughs> happening that is I never I didn't think about that I mean I'm sure I guess also living in a neighborhood that is walkable and you know a Many bars and but you're technically not in a city either. I mean, yes, yeah. Alexandria is a city, but it's not. It's not. A, I mean, yes, it is. It is a city. It's just not that big. It's like Frederick. It's not that big. No, no, you it's just not. happen to be right here. No, but that's what I'm saying. Is I don't. Yeah. I didn't think about the fact that obviously where you open your next. I mean, obviously you, there's a lot of thought of where you pick your locations. But now after the pandemic and as the world is changing, the workforce is changing. Obviously, that would be, I don't, it, it just, you saying it made me go, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, it's really weird. Like in D.C., it's like you can make a, do a whole line and everyone lives now on the outskirts of D.C., still in D.C., outskirts of D.C., in the end, very yeah. neighborhood focused. Yep. You know, this is my neighborhood. This is where I am. And like you, you can buy a condo right now in D.C. for like. You know, a lot less than you could like, before. Like two hundred thousand dollars less than you could before. Wow. Because nobody wants to live in a building. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of like then you have people like me. It's like they're not going to tear down that building, so you might as well buy the piece of property. Yeah. And hold it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And the one good thing we know is that all is in flux. We have no idea. I mean, if anything, the pandemic taught us that we know nothing. Oh, absolutely. You have no idea what's, what's coming next. Do you know what I mean? Like, not not in a, in a bad way, but even in a good way, as much as we start saying, oh, we think it's going to be this, it could really reverse in a year and all the office buildings could be filled again. You know, forgive we me, Maggie, know. you might have said, I don't know if you said this in part one uh, or part two of the episode, but you did say that prohibition had to happen. I think that, like, 
not saying the pandemic had to happen, but everything that's been, you know, uprising, like, you know, and like bringing things to like the surface is because it's been brewing for so long. Absolutely. How far, how long can you live like this? How long can we have like, you know, just people just be blind to like what's happening? And I have to say, the younger generation, our younger generation, like even my children and, and, and the generation beneath us, they're going to have a better life because, because of, of the struggles we're going through right now. Absolutely. We hope. We can hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can hope. I, I see a lot of people right now being like, oh, when are we going to get back to normal? And I'm like, we're not. You realize that we're not going back to normal. That's not happening. Like this is, these are growing pains to get us to that next level. You know, this is, this is a really um, impactful time in, in human history, I think. And, and f- to your point, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff that needed to change that we just needed that, you know, kind of a spark to make earth shattering. Yeah, I mean, we needed yeah. to have the bottom drop out of us to be able to look at it, you know? And so um, I, one of the things that I'm really committing myself to is getting a hybrid vehicle because we're seeing climate change and I'm seeing how climate change is affecting whiskey already. Um, you know, so it's, it's really interesting how, you know, we kind of just needed that jolt uh, to go, oh, these things that we've been talking about theoretically, like they're right now, they are happening right now and we need to address them right now. Yeah. Yep. You know what I think we should address? (laughs) A cocktail? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So I'm here and I have this deliciousness in front of me and I'm going to give this recipe to everybody how to make apricot syrup um, in our tips and tricks. So you can go on Instagram and you can uh, learn how to make it. But here's one of my favorite simple cocktails to do. All it requires is crushed ice, whiskey, and your apricot syrup, and then like a little pieces of apricot. So you don't want to like do it all the way. And I'm going to give you your choice. Maggie, do you want few straight bourbon whiskey or do you want the Motor City uh, few? Oh, you know what? I haven't had the Motor City few. It's yum. Do you want me to, you want me to do that one? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So if you're at home, this is basically, you know, the whiskey is personal. You use in this recipe what you like. But what the most important thing about using the whiskey in this recipe is the way you build this cocktail and and how much you use. I am a big fan of two ounces and a quarter when you're making simple drinks that require lots of crushed ice. So what we're gonna do is, first thing we're gonna do is take two of the apricots or, or you know, two heaping bar spoons, of the actual apricot itself, because it's gonna sit in the bottom of your glass and it's like the best part because you get to the bottom. And then you like take this little bite of this whiskey and icy deliciousness and it's my favorite. And we're gonna use a half an ounce of the apricot syrup. If you like it sweeter, three quarters of an ounce. You like it less sweet, a quarter of an ounce. It is personal to you, but it is just delicious. And it's like one of my favorite things. So now we're gonna put in um, two and a quarter ounces of the Motor City, and if you haven't had it yet, and you you know if it's not available in your market, or you're just you know a diehard Maker's Mark fan or whatever you like, use what you like. Use what you like. That's right. It's number one in all the cocktails. So you're gonna take this. Now you have in the bottom, you know, this apricot and your whiskey. You're gonna give it a little bit of stir. We are gonna give it a love pinch of uh, roasted cinnamon, which you could get in your baking aisle. You want to do it yourself. I think that's even better. But, you know, I don't, I never tell anybody what you have to do. Now, I'm gonna take a little taste. 
because I just had to. And we're gonna take our crushed ice and we're just gonna fill up our glass. And it's so simple that, you know, your 12 year old could do it for you. Now, you should not have your children mix your cocktails. <laughs> um, it's just a simple, summery, delicious stone fruit um, drink. And I think whiskey and stone fruit are a match made in heaven. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stone fruits are any fruits that have the pit inside of it where it's one big pit. Um, and you could just use it and like, how does this not look good? Oh, that's gorgeous. It's just delicious. And you just, you know, little sips and like ice, like little iceberg and, you know, it's reminiscent of, you know, summertime. I don't know. So cheers. Cheers. Maggie, this is when you should have been in person and we should have figured out when your trip was here. November. I'm there every November. I, I will save, I will save syrup for you and I will make Pop this in person. Pop one in the freezer for me. I, I will literally, I have syrup all the time at Buffalo Morgan, so I will save some to make sure that you can get a taste awesome. of it. I am so jealous of those cocktails. They look amazing. And they're in, they're in time period appropriate glasses. Yes, they are. Which makes them taste oh so much right? better, right? It really yeah. does. The glassware really makes a difference, I think. Oh, so pretty. It's the full experience. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, experience. so I, I'm enough of a whiskey snob that if I go someplace and I order a whiskey, I ask them, do you have a Glencairn glass? Oh, you are. And if they say no, I say, can I have it in a white wine glass? And they're like, you want your whiskey in a white wine glass? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. What, what would you serve it to me in otherwise? A shot glass? And I'm like, no, no, I'll, no. I'll have it in a white no, wine no, glass. No. Thanks. That's amazing. Will you tell our listeners why? Um, so when you're a, a fully appreciating whiskey, you want to have a taper to the bowl of the glass that you are drinking out of. So there should be like a bowl at the bottom and then it should taper inward at the top. And what that does is it concentrates the aromas so that you can smell uh, before you taste and that enhances the experience because a lot of times you will get different characteristics on the nose than you will on the palate or the finish or you know whatever yeah so thank you thank you for sharing that absolutely um, this drink I you know what I really love about this drink Jean is I love that the apricots come a little bit later because as it's sitting there it's starting to melt they're coming up and I get a little bit of that cinnamon on the top this is really nice you still taste the whiskey. Oh no, absolutely! But yeah. I mean, it changes. It's kind of like it's kind of like you and I. You know, it starts <laughs> one way, ends another. Has a little spice that surprises you. <laughs> if somebody asked me one stone fruit I could use forever in all my cocktails, and I could never use like peaches or plums or blah blah again, it would be apricot. So versatile because when you dry it, it tastes one way. When it's fresh, it tastes one way. When it's underripe, it tastes another interesting. way. Oh, interesting. And it yeah. actually is so versatile when it comes to like dark spirits, like rum, whiskey, um, you know, just things that need uh, wine, whatever. Yeah. Like, not even dark spirit, but it's like, um, I don't know, apricots my spirit. Your, <laughs> okay, so speaking of your spirit food. Are we ready? Before we, no, before we do, we gotta do our housekeeping. Okay. Oh, almost forgot. Yeah. Two. Um, if you want this recipe or how to get to Maggie and all of the wonderful links that she just, um, you know, mentioned in part one and part two of this episode, you're gonna go designated drinker show, and I'll slow down and say that much slower. Designated drinker show for my recipes and why I love apricots so much, and I'll have an entire dissertation <laughs> on it. 
Not true. Um, but what will be there is the recipe, the tip, the, the recipes, the tips and tricks, and like like Gina said, um, the links to. Um, the Spirits United you mentioned, yes. right? We're going to make sure we That's have that awesome. in there. And then I'd love for them to definitely, we're going to put some on how you get to Maggie's, which we barely touched on, American Whiskey, the magazine she works on and is the content editor. Um, and here I'll get to read all of her magical words. Is it an mm -hmm. online magazine or sent to you magazine? Both. Um, and how do I not know that? So it's AmericanWhiskeyMag.com. You can go there and you can read some of the articles. Uh, there are different articles um, in the print magazine. So you can see the print magazine behind me on the wall. That's the current issue. Yeah. I've seen that before. Um, and so I, I do a lot of content for the print issue, but I also do a lot of content for the website. And they can be, some, sometimes we put magazine stuff on the website, but most of the time the magazine is completely separate from the website. Website, so you sure. really kind of have to yep. check out both AmericanWhiskeyMag.com. You can get a subscription to the print magazine and check out yep. the latest stories on there. Do you put cocktail recipes on? Oh, the, absolutely! On the yeah, we've got cocktail recipes on the. I also do a cocktail column in the magazine, and so the the one that I'm working on right now that I'm turning in next week is about the Sazerac cocktail. I interviewed Matt Ray from the Sazerac House in New Orleans, and Great, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Sazerac's an amazing cocktail. Oh, yeah. It's like the, it's like it's definitely one of the mother cocktails. Absolutely, because yes. then it like lends itself so far into our cocktail history. I would I would love to just do like um, she just do that one. It's just to do all the mother cocktails. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be lots of fun. Yeah, we'll bring Maggie back and do that. Yeah. All right, Maggie. I have one question. This is how we know if you listen to our podcast or not. Okay. I hope that you're ready. All right, so being that you're from Kentucky, born and raised, I believe that was correct, right? That's what you said? Yes. Where you grew up? Yep. Right. So the Ameri we, we touched on it, and you did say the American bison is, you know, is a native animal there, so maybe that would be your spirit animal, where it's crossing back and forth through the, um, you know, buffalo crossing back and forth, and you really love the, um, you know, the grandeur of it, and you really identify with the peacefulness of the animal as well. If you can identify yourself as one spirit ingredient, whether it's for food or for beverage, what would that ingredient be and why? I I mean, I feel like I have to say bourbon because it's so versatile and you can use it in uh, baked goods, you can use it in cocktails, you can use it in recipes. Um, I, I think bourbon is a lot more versatile than people think. I love it. I've used it, I use it in ribs. I have used it in baked beans. I've used it in cookies. Yeah. Uh, now, how does bourbon describe your personality? Are you saying that you're just versatile? Um, sweet and versatile. Mm. And a little spicy. <laughs> I love it. There you go. <laughs> and strong. And there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I well, love that. Cheers to you, Maggie. Cheers. 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 The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.
please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company. 